in our topic of this morning in discussing Mormon theology, I, I think you're going to, I pray, I hope that you see even more clearly how beautiful the gospel of Jesus Christ is in comparison. I think sometimes we're thinking, okay, we're studying, we're studying a, a, a false religion, but actually what we're doing is studying the gospel and how it's so much more beautiful in comparison or in these other things paling in comparison to what the work of Christ is for us. And you're going to pray, hope and, hope and pray that you see that. Uh, this week, I, I wasn't feeling well from Monday to Wednesday, so Tuesday and Wednesday, I just I watched a lot of amazing documentaries on Mormonism. Uh, from the Christian perspective, these were people that were Mormons are now believers, and it was it was amazing just to see uh, the fear that is there that is not in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know according to First John four eighteen, perfect love casts out fear. You know, fear and love. Um, it struck me that so uh, all the false religions there. Buildings are very important to them. You know that the temple there in Salt Lake or um, Mecca for the Muslims or other religion, religions like this, but not for Christians. Buildings aren't important because we're the temple of the living God, according to First Corinthians three. So just uh, seeing how and then how simple it is. Like this morning, I'm. The difficulty on this morning was figuring out how much do I tell you? Because there's so much there when it comes to um, Mormonism. And if it can be really, really, really confusing. But it's not that for Christianity. It's really simple. And in that, it's complex, but it's very simple. If you have a handout, uh, you'll see it's uh, just put down a few things to note. You can fill in as you like uh, some stuff on history, um, God, authority, Christ, man, heaven, hell, sharing the gospel, uh, occult. Let me begin by just giving a few recommendations for what I'm going to read. I, I recommended at the beginning of this entire series, CARM, C-A-R-M dot org, and I would recommend that. It doesn't open, Tom. Um, I would recommend this as a website, karm.org. They have some great stuff on comparisons between Christian doctrine and Mormonism. This is an excellent book if you want to pick up a book called So, called so What's the Difference by Fritz Ridnauer. Uh, it has some really excellent stuff in here as well. And then I tried in vain to find the, the documentary that I watched, about 50 minutes long. I'll try again to find it. If I can, I'll send it by email. Uh, but it was an entire documentary about these young men that were missionaries, Mormon missionaries, and they all came to Christ. And a lot of them were brothers, and then they brought their parents to Christ as well. And it was the story of how that happened. And it was a really really interesting and beautiful picture of the presentation of the gospel, but what they went through was um, was really remarkable. So I will try to find that again and see if I can get it to you. Let me give you a definition of a cult, at least by Robbie Zacharias, which I think is very good. A cult is that which claims to be rooted in historical Christianity, but has deviated from or abandoned the finished work of Christ or compromised on his person. 
that which claims to be rooted in historical Christianity but has deviated from or abandoned the finished work of Christ or compromised on his person. This week we're studying Mormonism. Next week we'll study Jehovah's Witness. And one of the reasons that these are two very difficult uh, false doctrines, false belief systems to understand is because they're cults. They came out of Christianity. They deviated on the work of Christ. So, if you're taking notes, I want you to stop for just a second, and I'm going to read a paragraph. A little role play here, okay? Hello, my name is Elder Cody. I'm a Christian. I believe in the same Jesus and God as you do. We believe the Bible is God's word like you. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We must be saved in salvation by grace. There is a heaven and a hell. We believe in the Trinity and that the church is very important in a Christian's life. Would you like to come join us this coming Sunday? We're a Christian, just like you. Okay, cut that out. Okay, if you were, if you were under 21 in this room and I just knocked on your door and said that, does that sound like a Christian? Say yes. Does that sound like a biblical Christian? Say yes. So what are you going to ask me? If you're under 21, ask me. Huh? I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that he created everything. Oh, you're not under 21. <laughs> okay, so what I want to point out by that is this. This is what makes Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness hard to understand is because they have almost all the same terminology that we do. You really have to ask good questions, like, where did Jesus come from? Or, who is Jesus? Or, who is God? And, and they're going to answer, they are, they are programmed to answer. Uh, they are trained to answer in the affirmative as much as possible for two or three or four layers deep. Just keep asking questions. Keep asking questions. Keep asking questions. Because uh, sooner or later you'll start getting a little, oh, that sounded interesting, and then you go a little bit on that one. Oh, that sounded interesting, then you go a little bit on that one. But the goal is to try to, if I'm a Mormon missionary, my goal is to try to remove in your mind as many differences between Mormonism and Christianity. I'm going to try to make it sound as if we're just the same. If you're a Christian, you're sitting there thinking, well, boy, that sounded awfully like Christianity. Maybe they really are Christians. But something in you, the Holy Spirit, continues to come up and says, something's not right here. So keep asking questions. Keep asking questions. Keep asking questions. Okay, let's get into this a little bit. First, on in terms of history, uh, Joseph Smith is the central person of Mormonism. And if you are a Mormon, you have unshakable, pretty much, Unless the Holy Spirit does something, you really have unshakable faith in Joseph Smith. Almost everything he's ever said and almost everything he's ever done has been decried by historians and yet, uh, or by the law, and yet if you tell a Mormon that, they won't deviate from their belief in Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith, Mormonism started in the eight, early 1800s, eight, 1820s. Uh, he was 14 years old when he uh, got a vision of two personages, one he believed to be the father and one he believed to be the son that appeared before him. And he asked them which Christian denomination he should join, reading out of, so what's the difference here? 
And they told him to join none of them because they were all wrong and corrupt. And then began the process of, as he was 17, four years later, and the angel Moriani appeared to him and told him of a book written on golden plates. He found those golden plates four years later and began translating uh, through what he used, which was called a seer stone, which is a practice of the occult. And he put a hat, uh, he put a stone in a hat and buried his face, his face in the hat, and then he would uh, translate what he was seeing to his scribe who would write some things down. Well, that's in a practice of the occult. In fact, the Mormons, if you are to ask them if that's how that happened, they do not uh, want to um, accept that as that's how it, as how the Book of Mormon coming about. They will tell you something like, oh, no, that's not the way it happened. He translated the stones through the Urim and the Thummim. So he cast these different, he translated the plates, he, ca- he did these, but no, he didn't use a seer stone. But that's actually how he did it. And he, he then, uh, the, the Book of Mormon was written from that. Interestingly enough, the Book of Mormon has a lot of the Bible in it, as many of their other books do. But he translated the Book of Mormon at about 17 years old uh, through this seer stone. Uh, the man assisting him was a wealthy farmer, Martin Harris. I'm going to get into a little just kind of shut off of here if this is getting too much for you. But um, he, tran- he, he helped him in many ways through his, his money. He financed the printing and the publishing, Martin Harris did, of the BOM, the Book of Mormon. And they founded the Mormon Church, and it grew quite rapidly, initially being established in Ohio, Missouri, and Illinois. Uh, Utah was later. Um, the... Missouri militia is the Missouri area is where it mainly started, and it grew quite rapidly there. But there was um, a lot of tension between Mormons and the people there, partly because it was well known at that time that there was some practices of the occult going on with this, and the people did not like that. 1835, uh, the second edition of their another one of their books of authority called the Doctrine and the Covenants would become inspired scripture alongside the Book of Mormon, quote-unquote, inspired scripture. In 1838, they were driven completely from Missouri and into Illinois, where uh, plural marriage began in 1843. That was written in the Doctrines and the Covenants. And uh, finally, because of that, uh, the practice of polygamy, uh, Joseph Smith was arrested Uh, by the people and put up in jail in Carthage, Illinois, where he awaited trial, Um, and this is where he died. A crowd of 200 would end up attacking the prison, and a gunfight would break out, and he died as a quote-unquote Christian martyr, but he actually died with a six-shooter in his hand and killed two of his assailants before he went down. But they see him as dying as a... As a, uh, as a Christian martyr there. Brigham Young would then take over leadership and move everyone out to uh, Salt Lake City in 1847, where things would continue from there. That is a very abbreviated version of the history of Mormonism. All that to say that you have, like Christianity, you have different sects and denominations of Mormonism, and the two that would be... N- Mainly known are LDS, Church of the Latter-day Saints, which is in Utah, and then you also have the F 
LDS, the fundamental Latter-day Saints, and they would be the very strict. They would still practice, even today, uh, polygamy, and they would say that the LDS, the FLDS, would say that the LDS is apostate and needs to have revival. Uh, they don't like each other. They're not friends. Uh, there's other ones, there's other sects, but those are the two, the, the two main ones. And anyone that you would meet on the street who would be on a Mormon mission is from the LDS. Okay, what do they believe about God? What do they believe about God? Well, first off, let's look at what Christians believe about God. Christians know this about God, that there is only one true God, according to Deuteronomy 6 and Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 44 that he has always existed and always will exist, that he was not created, but he is the creator, that he is perfect and no one else is equal to him, that he is God the Father, he is not a man, and he never was a man. He is a spirit, and a spirit is not made of flesh and bone. Mormons, however, believe that he has not always been the supreme being of the universe, that at one time he was a man but attained the Godhead status through righteous living and persistent effort. They believe that God the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. So they say they believe in God. And you could ask them, is God a spirit? Oh, no. No, he has the body and bones of a man. Because one of the uh, beliefs of the, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of the beliefs of Mormonism is that you, as a man now, can become a god. As God was, so man will be, can be. God can, we can grow to be our own gods, and we'll have our own planets, and we'll populate with our own spirit children. It's really wacky. They believe that God has... Uh, the God the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. So, certainly not the same God that we would believe in. What, are their, what is their authority? These are the two things, God and authority, are, and Christ, but starting out with God and authority, are really the two places that any false religion is going to go south. And then based upon what they believe upon God and where they gain their authority is where things will continue to tumble from there. Their authority is four things, and here's would be the four. The Book of Mormon, the Bible, but the King James Version. So, if you're going to share the gospel with a Mormon, use the King James Version. The Pearl of Great Price is another book. And then the last one, the Doctrines and Covenants. Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, the KJV Bible, and the Doctrines and Covenants. Interestingly, um, interesting to note is that a lot of those, the Doctrines and Covenants and the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price, uh, are a lot of direct quotes straight out of the Bible. For instance, one of the chapters or one of the books inside the Pearl of Great Price is the Book of Abraham, and it's verbatim a quote of basically the first eight books of Genesis, the first eight chapters of Genesis. But here's what they believe about the KJV Bible. This is their eighth article of faith I'm quoting from here. We believe the Bible to be the word of God, that's good, as far as it is translated correctly. 
We believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as it is translated correctly. And out of all four of those that I mentioned, the Book of Mormon is going to carry the most weight. So if you read them something in, in the KJV Bible and they don't like it, well, they'll just tell you that it wasn't translated correctly. Joseph Smith translated it correctly. Because remember, back in the history, Joseph Smith, when he had his initial vision, they said, it's all the, all the uh, denominations are corrupt and you're going to establish a new one. So we've corrupted things is what Joseph Smith would say. So, therefore, you didn't translate it correctly, and I will help you to translate it correctly. Any questions before I keep going here? Okay. Is, yeah. Is the man God still around? Yes. They just don't know who it is. The man God? Yes, yes, yes. He's not present here. He's present up there. We'll get to that in just a second. Okay, Christ. I'm going to go quickly through these last ones because I want to get to share in the gospel. Christ. Mormon leaders have taught that Jesus' incarnation was a result of a physical relationship between God the Father and Mary. Mormons believe that Jesus is a small g God but that any human can also become a God. So they believe in the Trinity. They would say we believe in the Trinity, but what they say about the Trinity is it's not one God, three personages. It is three gods. Jesus is a God, the Holy Spirit is a God, and God is a God, and they're separate. They're not the same. And we believe that it's one God and three personages. And one of the ways that you can... Understand in your own mind, uh, and this is from C.S. Lewis, about the Trinity and, and how it works is there's three planes that we typically look at. You have a flat plane, this wall right here, and then I can go in, right? Or I can have, um, I can if I'm looking at one plane, just this ax axis right here, I can only draw one straight line, correct? But if I add in another axis, I can now do what? I can draw a shape, correct? If I add in the third, third axis, the z-axis, what can I now draw? Depth to that, right. So I can draw out a cube. Start with a line, I think I can go to the square, and then I can go to a cube. Are they all the same? They're all, they're all together, they're all part, but they're, they're, they're more in depth as you go. And they all connected, and they all have to be there to draw that cube, but they're, they're all in different planes. And that would be the way C.S. Lewis would describe it, is saying the Trinity going, as much as we can describe the Trinity, help us understand that it's, it's spiritually, oftentimes we just see one plane. As we mature, we might see two planes. But in its fullest extent, it's three planes. It's, it's three personages in one God. One of the uh, videos that I'll find again and send to you along with the documentary is Ravi Zacharias answering a Mormon's question on the Trinity. And you listen to it about four times, you'll probably get his first sentence. He goes deep. But he really does a good job of helping them to understand why it's not a math problem at all. <clears throat> what, do we, what do they believe about man? 
What does what does the Jehovah's Witness believe about man? Well, there's quite a bit they believe about man, but they would believe that our sin uh, does. We are not going to get punished for our sin. Uh, not, I'm sorry, we're not going to be punished for Adam's sin. We won't be punished for Adam's sin. We will be punished for our sin. We will be punished for our sin, but we won't be punished for Adam's sin. Well, that's that's uh, an assault against the doctrine of original sin, that we are all born in sin, and that has come from Adam. For instance, uh, their book, Second Nephi 25-23, this is out of the Book of Mormon, Second Nephi 25-23, this is what they would say, for we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children, and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. That sounds good. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. That sounds good. After all we can do. So it is a salvation of works. And you, uh, as man, you can work your way uh, forward and up. But at the... Uh, there's a lot of things that you have to do, a lot of things that you have to do, and there's not time to go through all of them this morning. Um, but one of the things, if you're going to experience the highest degree of heaven, and there are uh, different levels of heaven or afterlife in the Mormon belief system, if you're going to uh, aspire to the highest one, you would have to be married multiple times, polygamous marriage. So there's a lot of things that they put into it. But you can earn your way to heaven. You've got to have Christ. You've got to believe in him. But you've got, what else do you got to do? So you can start to see how, if they say something like, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, we must be saved in salvation by grace. You start to, uh, you start to break some of these things down, it quickly becomes apparent that this is a false religion. It is a religion based upon fear. So they're, they've, they've got to, they believe that the, the, the Mormon church is the one true church. Uh, they believe that we don't like them and we hate them. And they train their children to believe that. And that's not the case at all. But they do believe that they're the only church. And we can be saved as well if we're not in the Mormon church. But we'll never attain to some of the higher degrees of heaven. Heaven and hell, Mormons believe that there are different levels or kingdoms in the afterlife, the celestial kingdom, which is the highest, the terrestrial kingdom, the telestial kingdom, and outer darkness are those that would be sons of perdition or sons of Satan. Mankind will, where mankind will end up depends on what they believe or do in this life. So works-based salvation. Sharing the gospel. How do you share the gospel? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of verses that I would encourage you to write down. But one of the things that I would encourage you to do after listening to whatever a Mormon wants to say is to gently but strongly confront them straight away. For instance, they could say, well, hello, my name is Elder Cody. I am a Christian. Let them get through their whole spiel. And then you can say something of the effective Thank you so much for coming by and talking to me today, but you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. That is a absolute slap in the face. And they will probably have had very few if anybody ever tell them that because they believe they're the only true church and they're right. And for someone to say you're not a Christian to them is, wait a minute, I'm not a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Almost 
every person that I was listening to this week that were Mormons and are now believers, it was either this question or one other that I'll give you that was the, the nebulous, the beginning of the Holy Spirit bringing them to out of that Mormonism into true faith in Christ. Is it, There was uh, a question some Christian would ask them that began undergirding some things. The second thing you might uh, take them to is um, you could take them to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace ye are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And they're going to say, oh, then you translated that incorrectly. So they're going to try to undermine our Bible for the Book of Mormon. I would encourage you to take them to this passage, Matthew twenty four thirty five, Matthew twenty four thirty five. I've got to stop and make this note. It is phenomenal to me how when the the Bible was put together by the Holy Spirit through man, and there was no chapters and there were no verses. How so often? Chapters and verses on very important texts are extremely easy to remember. 2, 3, 4, 5. 24, 35. 24, 20, 24, 35. But there's 2, 3, 4, 5 in there. If you can remember 2, 3, 4, 5, you will be able to figure out in Matthew where 24, 35 is. It is, it is, it is, anyway, sorry, sidetracked. <laughs> Heaven and earth, this is the passage, and this is in the King James Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. You can ask them. If God is so big, and he's of such power, and he's transcendent over all of these things, do you really believe that he would allow his words to be corrupted? They're going to reject that, but that may very well be those are the two things. The first one being, are you a Christian? You're not a Christian. The second one being, uh, helping them understand that this is, if this is really God's holy word, how could a holy God allow His word to be corrupted? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My word shall not pass away. Matthew twenty four thirty five. Two very important passages about God. You could go to Isaiah forty three ten. Or Isaiah 44, 6 and 8. Isaiah 43, 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, who I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. They believe that the God that is now, there were other gods before, and there will continue to be more gods, and he's just the one that is now. But this is Isaiah 43, 10, and they would have that in their King James Bible. And you could point out to the fact that God himself said there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. So he can't just be a God that has a man's flesh and bones because he was not formed. He is a spirit. Isaiah 44, 6 and 8. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. God himself said, I know not any. They believe in multiple gods. That, there, that God in heaven, who has a man's body, has a wife. And she's a God as well. And Christ is a wife, yes. Isaiah 43.10, and then the second one I read was be Isaiah 44.6 and 8. 
Say four, six, eight. Yeah, just, sorry. Four plus four equals eight, and that's the backside of A. It's just the way my brain works. 4468. So the biggest thing with as with any anyone that you'd be sharing the gospel with that doesn't believe in uh, the God of the Bible and Christ uh, as he is proclaimed in Holy Scripture is prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit. And, but pro- proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and proclaim it boldly. But especially with a Mormon, proclaim it according to... If you can, at all at all times with any religions, especially with Mormons, proclaim it using the Bible. And they're going to say, well, that was translated incorrectly. Well, then take them to Matthew 24, 35. Say, well, this is the... They may decry it, but this is your authority. You stand on your authority. You stand on what you know to be true, because it is true. Notice every false religion is based out of around man. This one's based around God. So they're based around Joseph Smith and what he wrote. And Joseph Smith and all his his plates that he interpreted, or when he wrote the Pearl of Great Price, he interpreted some from fragments that he what, that he bought from some Egyptian historian. And all of those have been translated by people that actually knew the Egyptian hieroglyphics that he was reading, and they all said, "This doesn't say what Joseph Smith said." You know what Joseph? You know what Mormon would say? But he was he was given uh, the ability to see far more that was there. I mean, it, it it is amazing the blind faith that they have in him. So the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that has to do the work. But we pray and hope that he would use us through some simple questions like, "Are you? No, you're not a Christian," or claiming that and showing them why according to script what constitutes a Christian according to Scripture, or helping them to see that, no, this is God's holy word, things of that nature, um, God may very well use that to begin the process. Before I close, before we take a few questions here, if there are any, Ravi Zacharias was invited to speak at the Mormon Tabernacle. He was invited by the Mormon Tabernacle to speak in Salt Lake City. And he took a long time to figure out what he wanted to do, and he decided to do it. On two things. He was going to pick the topic and he was going to bring the music. And they said yes. And so he preached on the sufficiency of Christ. And uh, for quite a long time. In fact, you can actually listen to his whole presentation there on YouTube if you want to listen to it. It's really remarkable. But coming out of that that, uh, occasion and what happened there... One of the testimonies Robbie Zacharias had is God is doing a work. And this is one of the things that I found as I was studying that is that modern Mormonism, as you would see it come onto your doorstep, is radically different than the Mormonism of old. And they're trying to distance themselves. And there is, God is working. He's working everywhere. But he is also working there. Not to say that they're right, they're completely wrong. But there he is. He is always up to something, and he is doing work. And you, um, as you, if you were to ask some of the questions that are some of the things that I gave you today, or ask some of the, or bring people to scriptures um, that I gave this morning, uh, fifty years ago, or sixty years, or a hundred years ago, you would have gotten really nowhere near as far as you will today. There is a 
a whole different shift that seems to be happening there. It's a, it, it, it just seems like there's no way it should have lasted since 1823 to today, almost 200 years, if you read about it in depth, because it's just, it's, it's like somebody sat down and said, a long, long time ago, there was a little man, and you go, well, this is just a fairy tale, because that's the way it reads. But that blind faith that is there, but when God, and this was the testimony of one of the gentlemen that came to Christ out of Mormonism, he said, I read the Bible, and I just couldn't, couldn't get it. And then one day I read the Bible, and it was as, this is his quote, it was as if a light turned on, and it all made sense. And that's the Holy Spirit, because they're in their darkness, and then they come to, uh, they come into the light as God brings them there. Another thing you might encourage someone to do, that if they come and uh, reject the Bible, is to say, Go read the King James Bible from front to back and read it as if you were a child. Read it as if you were a child. That's one of the things that's noted in the New Testament, childlike faith. Read it as if you were a child and tell me why you would reject that. And that was some of the things that the Lord used to bring someone some out as well, is reading through the, the, the Holy Bible as if they were a child, not trying to prove why it's wrong, but just reading it as a child. And this is the power, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. This is the living word, and it will do its work. So if someone ever says, well, hi, I'm a Mormon, here's a tract. Well, you hand them one of your tracts, or you challenge them to read the Bible, and you say, I'll read, mine. I'll read yours if you'll promise to read mine, because theirs isn't living, yours is. And they will, you will see, uh, we, we hope and we pray, but that can be the impetus that the Lord brings to Christ. Okay. I've talked long enough. Any questions? Tom. Okay, this is, the, this is the hard question to ask. I'm asking this for Asa and for Chandler and for me. It's easy right now to be on point. Yeah. This is what we say. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, Isaiah 4310. Right. When they knock on the door, I, I know there's a verse in there somewhere, but i got to think about it. And what they're doing, though, is it's like me in a courtroom sure. with a polished attorney. Yeah. I can't hold my ground. Right. Do you, as my teacher right now, yeah. recommend running high? Say, I'll get back to you, slam the door in her face? What, what would you suggest to somebody, and I'm not going to point any fingers at anybody sure. except me, yeah. who's not ready to defend with a, with a practice? Yeah. Um, um, Apologetic. So I would recommend if they came to my door and I wasn't ready or didn't feel like I was able to give a good answer, I would answer the door and I would be the uh, the initiator. Thank you so much for coming by. I know you're uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. I'm a Christian. Uh, those two things are very different in my mind. I don't have the time today to be able to discuss these things with you. Thank you very much for coming by, but I'm going to have to. And just be kind and generous, but I don't think you have to take them on. I think you could just make a statement like that and say, I don't believe I'm, uh, I know according to my, I know according to the Bible that you claim to be yourself a Christian, but you're not a true Christian according to the Bible, God, the Bible, the God of the Bible. And I don't have time to be able to discuss that today. Piper actually, actually did that. Somebody came to his door. He didn't want to spend any time having a, a conversation with them. So he gave him an 11 minute sermon on why they weren't right. And then he closed the door. <laughs> Esther. I was going to say, I don't think you have to be afraid no. that you don't know enough. Yeah. So, 
but I also don't think you have to feel as if you have to engage them every time. Yeah. So you, you could do what Piper did. You could open the door, be very kind to them, and just launch into the gospel. No, just, just, just share the Power of God and salvation. So remember what we did at the very beginning of this course months ago was everyone wrote out what is the gospel. So that's where go go do that again now as you've studied these things and and but write it out in its deepest and lengthiest entirety. You don't have to memorize it, but just just get it in your mind how beautiful it is. And then when they open the door, the Holy Spirit will give you the words and just give them the gospel. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> yeah. Katie, did you have a Oh no, no, no. You don't have to be scared of that because Christ Christ you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'd take them there. They, they, may, they, they may very well say, well, that's, uh, you know, you've interpreted that incorrectly. Um, but explain to them according to the context of that passage, and there's many others, and then take in Matthew 24, 35, other passages like that, and just show them uh, this, is, this is what the Bible, this, is this isn't what I believe it is what you believe, but this is what the Bible says. Oh, they're sweet people. Is that because, and there, it seems like a lot of people who take their talents and they do something with them, like piano guys, mm-hmm. um, YouTubers, bloggers, is that because they're trying to get to mm-hmm. celestial or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like the highest form of heaven, so they're doing whatever they can? Mm-hmm. It's works-based. Ms. Beverly, you've been raising your hand. I keep missing well, you. Yeah, that's typically, typically if you push hard, they will just say, I, I think we need to go now. Yeah. 
Right. Yes. And there was a there was a, a young man in my high school. Uh, he was very winsome, very um, friendly. He was a Mormon, and he would sway people to Mormonism who were, grew up in the Baptist church. Um, and, and so there's just so much in the dynamic of friendship, mm-hmm. fellowship, mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes. Speaking the truth in love. So that, so there's more than just, you know, being using our words as weapons. Right. Right. No, you never want to do that. Like me. Uh, they would tell you we practice. Um, we believe in baptism. Well, we believe uh, not only for baptism for me, we believe in baptism that I can actually be baptized for the dead. So you can get dressed and claim to be someone else and be baptized for them, that we go to church, that we must advance the teachings of Joseph Smith. Um, There's a lot of different things that they practice. Uh, they today's Mormon tries to distance themselves from that as much as possible, and so the even the leaders of the Mormon Church today have decried the practice and say we don't believe it. You should do that, but it's still in all their teachings, and they haven't taken that out. Now you could ask them, did you know that Joseph Smith had many wives, and many Mormons don't know that, and that's a they don't like that. Yes. And I'm just wondering, where are they going? What are they, what are they doing? I don't know. In terms of where are they going from that church, I don't know. But I've read a lot. Of, I read about that this week as well. Yes. And there was some things that happened in the 1970s, and and about that as well. Not about same sex, but about the um, same sex marriage, but about uh, racial tensions. Um, because it's a very, very racist religion in its in its nebulous in its beginning, um, and they still have all the teachings of that, but they don't 
espouse it anymore, but a lot of people left about that as well. It's racial tensions rose in the country. And so now that racial tensions are rising again in the country, you'll probably see some things about that as well. 34. Brigham Young had 26 and 50 children or something like that. But um, that they don't like Joseph Smith talking about that because two of his children, two of his wives were fourteen. He had a mother and a daughter wife. He had sister wives, so it's isn't pretty. And he kept that secret. Um, in fact, Emma didn't know about the many. That's his first wife, Emma. Didn't know about the many wives. She did not want it at all. But he basically threatened her that she would go to hell if she had any problem against it because God had told him so. And so even some of the wives, some of the wives that he married were, were, were still married to their husbands. And he would go to their husband and say, God has told me that I'm supposed to marry a wife. And they all had blind faith in him. So they said, well, I'm going to have to let her go. The women didn't always want to go, but they had to because God told him. Woo. Yeah, I didn't read a lot about that. So if anybody knows, I don't have that one. Yeah, I've heard about, I've heard that, and I've, I've recognized the statement, but I didn't read into it in depth. Probably so. Yeah. Okay, let me pray for us here. Thank you for your attention. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and the opportunity to see the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for doing work for us. Because there's, no, there's nothing in us, Father, that deserves righteousness, but your righteousness upon our behalf has been credited to us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship the one true God in song here now and ask that you would strengthen us, Father, and open our eyes, give us a, a, a burning in our soul for the lost, Father. And though we may not be uh, as articulate as we would desire to be in different Aspects of others' faith, Lord, we want to be articulate in our faith, which is what we need to know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So may we not shirk from that, but proclaim it well, because it is the power of God into salvation to all that believe. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. I encourage you to move to the main service.